Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. You know, I've unfortunately seen far too many Christians who receive Jesus Christ as Savior because they're afraid of hell, but they don't continue the process of sanctification. Their lives do not change, and they don't ever become what God really wants them to be, and, and, and that's most unfortunate. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with our teacher, Pastor Leighton Sheely, who is the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, on the web at highlands.us. The topic today is temptation, and he's going to begin in the book of James, the first chapter, uh, verse 13, if you want to follow along. Again, that's James, chapter 1, verse 13. It says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempteth no man. But each man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then the lust, when it has conceived, beareth sin, and sin, when it is full grown, bringeth forth death. Be not deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom can be no variation, neither shadow that is cast by turning. So in this verse, we learn about the seven sequential steps that temptation uses in order to seize us. And this passage intentionally uses fishing terminology. Terminology is familiar to a fisherman because temptation would like to take you fishing. Only you're the fish, okay? Temptation wants to go take you fishing and you're the fish. Now, the first thing that we learn is temptation wants us to believe that God is at fault, You know, our fertile imaginations start thinking when we're in the middle of temptation, you know what? God knows the future. God knew I'd be here right in the middle of this temptation. God could have led me somewhere else. God led me here. If I fail, it's God's fault. And that's the way our minds think. And and that's an inherited trait. Uh, We got it from Adam. Uh, When Adam was confronted about his sin, what did he say? He said, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it, you know? What he was saying is, God, you know, we wouldn't be in this predicament if you hadn't given me this woman. It's your fault we have this situation here, you know. And and so uh, we have a tendency as mankind right from the time of Adam to blame God uh, for our failures in temptation. Instead of blaming him, we should be uh, always remember that every good and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights. God always gives good things. And if the lure before you is not good, it is not from God. Now, the second step is deception. Uh, Temptation always wants to deceive you. It needs to deceive you in order to get you down to the next step. You know, if you were to go fishing and you had your pole and you had your line and you had your hook and you stuck it in the water, you're not likely to get a bite. But if you take that hook and you wrap a nice juicy worm around that hook... You are deceiving the fish into thinking he's going to have a nice meal. 
You're deceiving the fish into thinking he's going to have a nice meal. Well, temptation wants to deceive you into thinking you're going to have something that tastes really, really good. And it wants to deceive you that there's a really small price tag. It'll tell you things like, you know, you can do this. Nobody will know. You know, nobody will get hurt. There's no big price to pay. Look how juicy that worm is. Well, don't be deceived. The Bible says that there is a big price to pay when we sin. Now, the third thing is temptation wants to get our attention. Um, It'll draw us away from whatever it is that we're doing. You can be minding your own business. You're trying to do what is right. You might be driving to or from work. You might be at work. You might be driving to church. And all of a sudden, temptation is going to come across your path. It's going to try to get your attention. And usually at the time when you really don't need that kind of distraction, it's going to get your attention. And temptation, the fourth thing that we learn from it, uh, the fourth step is that it's going to use your own appetites. It's going to use your own desires. It's going to use your own lusts. You know, when you watch a fisherman, they go out there, they got these great big boxes and they're full of all kinds of bait and all kinds of hooks. And these fishermen, they'll get out there and they'll put something on the line, they'll spin it out and they'll do it a few times. That doesn't work. They're going to put another lure on, send it out there. They're going to keep working until they find whatever it is that stirs the appetite of the fish that they're looking for. And temptation does the same thing. It might send something across your path that uh, it just uh, you don't have an appetite for. But it'll send something else and it'll send something else. And eventually it's going to find what you have an appetite for. You know, somebody might be in a store and all of a sudden from within, deep within, they've got this appetite to steal something. Doesn't bother you. You don't have that kind of appetite at all. Each of us have different areas where we have lust. We have appetites. And temptation is going to keep casting until it can find whatever appetite it is that gets our attention. Now, if we allow ourselves to salivate on that lure, if we allow ourselves to salivate on that worm long enough, we're going to be enticed. And enticed is the point at which we make the decision we're going to bite. And conception is at the point where we act on our decision to bite. And when we act on our decision to bite, conception uh, brings forth sin. And sin always results in death, for the wages of sin is death. So don't be deceived. Sin wants to kill you. It doesn't want to just, you know, drag you in and take the hook out of your mouth and throw you back in and have a nice day. It wants to kill you. It wants to eat you. And for eternity, if it could. Now, listen to what it says. It says, when sin is full grown. You know that people sometimes allow sin in their lives and, you know, they keep it around, nice little pet and feed it occasionally. And what they don't realize is as long as they keep that sin in their lives, it's growing and it's growing. And someday it's going to dominate their lives. And when it does, it's going to bring forth death. So what is the solution? The solution is to kill the sin quickly. Don't allow it to be in your life. How do we kill sin in our life? Romans 8 provides the answer. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So we put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. 
We call out to the Spirit for His help because it takes the leading, it takes the presence, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to kill those appetites, those lusts, those desires that reside uh, within us. Well, that brings up a question. Can we ever achieve perfect holiness in this life? And the answer is definitively no. The Apostle John writes in 1 John 1, 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So as long as we are alive, as long as we can say we have no sin, we have sin. We're going to have sin as long as we live. Well, that brings up the question then, when, or when will we be truly holy? Well, it's not going to be as long as we're alive. Uh, the Apostle Paul indicates that, or suggests that the sin, the tendency towards sin is in our members, it's in our flesh. And so as long as our flesh is alive, we're going to be struggling against this sinful nature. Now the Scriptures say in Revelation 21, 27, speaking of heaven, this is the place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. It says, nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, what the Scriptures say is nothing unclean is going to enter heaven. But we know He's gone there to prepare it for us, and it doesn't make any sense that He would go to prepare it for us, and we wouldn't be able to enter it because we were unclean. So, what we can say then is we are going to be made clean, we are going to be made holy sometime after we die and before we get to heaven. God is going to make us clean. Now, how do we ensure an ongoing process of sanctification in our lives. The Scriptures say that we're supposed to do it. We want to do what the Scriptures say. But how do we do it? How do we ensure that day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, as long as God has us in this world, that there is going to be present a process of sanctification in our lives? And the answer to that question is the same answer as we had last week. It's from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's by devoting ourselves to the very same thing that the early believers devoted themselves to. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that is reading Scripture, and to fellowship, that is being connected, not just attached to the body of Christ, and to the breaking of bread. When we come together for communion, we are called to examine ourselves and ask God's forgiveness and receive His forgiveness and cleansing. And to prayers. We need to devote ourselves to the very same thing as those early believers devoted themselves to so that we can know that we have in our lives an ongoing process of sanctification. Now, I would like to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head this day because... You know, when we learn, as we have this morning, what the Scripture has to say, there might be a, a tendency to just want to keep it in our, our minds. But actually, there's a much greater reason for what we've learned today, and that is that it transform our living. And, and so I'd like to ask you not to speak out loud, not to raise your hand or anything like that, but to evaluate your own life in the... Uh, in the light of what the Scriptures have just told us should be taking place. You know, I've unfortunately seen far too many Christians who receive Jesus Christ as Savior because they're afraid of hell, but they don't continue the process of sanctification. Their lives do not change. 
and they don't ever become what God really wants them to be, and, and, and that's most unfortunate. But what about you? And you look at your life and you can say, you know, I, I can see the Holy Spirit at work in my life. I can see the process of sanctification in my life. I can see that I'm not the same person I used to be. I can see that God is making me different. He's making me new. He's changing me for the better. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to be perfect as long as I'm alive. But God is changing me. If the Holy Spirit is present in you, He wants to change you. If you feel like you're being held back from that change, you might want to review the first chapter of the book of James once again, especially these verses that we've been emphasizing here on this broadcast. This is Study Verse by Verse, an outreach from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. The ministry is on the web at studyversebyverse.com. We're listener-supported. I know you hear that all the time on this radio station. But our outreach here in the Bay Area really does depend upon you. If you'd like to be a partner with us, you can give when you go to the website again, studyversebyverse.com. And we'd love to know that you're listening. I'm Mike Trout. Have a great weekend. And uh, join us again on Monday at this same time when we'll once more open the Word of God and study verse by verse.